Greetings! On behalf of Pastor Joshua Lockett and Triad Christian Center, we welcome you to the Movement Podcast. 2019 is the year of the team player, and Pastor Josh challenges us to connect, join, and serve in the local ministry to advance the kingdom of God. We're glad you're joining us today, so let's tune in to this week's message. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He didn't give up his divinity, but he gave up his privileges. And it says he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. I want to read this in the Amplified, verse 7. We'll just switch over to the Amplified version. It says, but stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity. So as to assume the guise of a what? A servant, slave, and that he became like men and was born a human being. And then it goes on to say in verse 8, let's go back to the New Living Translation. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him. Therefore, God elevated him. Therefore, God elevated him. Therefore, God elevated him to the what? Place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Let's go over to John chapter 13, verse 1. We'll start reading there. Well, it says, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. How many of you know that's a miracle in and of itself? To hang with somebody for maybe two to three years and you still loving them, amen. And it says, he loved them to the very end. It says, it was time for supper. In other words, time to eat. And the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. It's amazing how you can be eating at the same table with somebody who moments later will betray you. About the, you, you know, you go out to old Charlie's and you're sitting down and everybody's eating rolls and having a good time. And moments later, they're going to blast you on Instagram, Facebook, social media. Moments later, they may take some money from you. Moments later, the tide turns. The Bible says Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. And the Bible says in verse 4, so he got up from the table, he took off his robe, he wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel he had around him. 
And I've said this before, but I bet you there were some things on their feet that we would probably stay far away from. Things that they collected, more than dust, more than blood. Maybe somebody's breakthrough was on their feet. Amen. But Jesus is sitting there, the Son of God, all God and all man, sitting there washing some dirty feet. And then he tells them that you should wash people's feet too. And it's amazing. I think the thing that's going to blow us away more than anything when we see Jesus face to face is the humility that he possesses. And if the truth be told, I'll venture to say he's still humble. He has not walked in one ounce of pride the whole time. He still operates as a servant. Matter of fact, the Bible says he forever maketh intercession on our behalf. He will forever be serving us. Oh, y'all ain't talking to me. His service will never stop because in the kingdom, it's just, it's just you serve. And it starts with the leader. Amen. And so I want to continue talking about the subject, everyone serves. I believe this year as we talk about team player, there's some things that everybody should be doing. One of the things I believe everyone should be doing is to serve. And I thank God for my outline. And let me just thank God for the ushers who have passed out the outlines. Amen. I'll be honest, that one Sunday, I just, I could have got the outline. It wasn't their fault, but I kind of threw them on the bus, and I want to repent openly for that. Y'all still love me, I know, but they, they give out outlines pretty good. Amen. But I have my outline today. Amen. As a pastor, you learn that when you're up there on the scene, you kind of push it off on somebody else, then repent to them later on. So I kind of did that. But thank God they took a blow. Teams take blows for each other. Amen. And so we have the outline before us. Do y'all have your outline? Raise it up if you got it. Raise it up if you got it. Okay, great. Great, great. So come on and let's get ready to go through this outline. It's good to be able to hear it. It's good to be able to see it. Amen. Okay. So I believe there's some keys to serving others. You ready? All right. Number one key, I believe, is to make a commitment to God. Before we start serving others, we have to make a commitment to God. We have to make a, a, a dedication to God. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3, it says... If we can go there really quickly, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. It says, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their free will. Verse 4, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift. Now, when the last time you've seen somebody beg to give? You don't see that a lot. It says, But they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift. And, and don't just think, church, do we have the attitude that we, we take it as a privilege? That's what he said. Again, for the what? Privilege. It's a, it's a privilege to be able to give. It says, of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. And it says, verse 5, it says, they even did more than we had hoped. And it says, this is why they did more than we had hoped. It says, for their first action, the first thing they did was to give themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. So it's important, and I made this statement last week, that before we ever give ourselves to others, that we first give ourselves to God. Jesus' commitment to serve others came out of his commitment to serve God, his Father. Matter of fact, when Jesus was in Gethsemane, he said, people, nevertheless, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. He didn't say people. He said, Father. 
Jesus was all about pleasing the Father. And even when it came down to it, he began to say in Matthew 26, I believe it's verse, verse 39, somewhere around there, he said, Lord, if it's possible, take this cup. How many of you ever had some moments where you said, Lord, if I can skip this part of my life? He said, Lord, if I can skip it, let me skip it. But he, then he got back, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I believe Jesus' main motivation, he said, he said, the, he said the devil comes for me. He says he find nothing, he finds nothing in me. He says, I do this to show the world that I love the Father. Jesus' commitment, if I could say this, was stronger to the Father than it ever was to us. And because of his commitment first to the Father, he went to the cross. Matter of fact, let me show you how powerful this is. Let me show you how powerful this is, how much he was dependent. Let's go further, dependent on the Father as he served. When the Bible says that Jesus began to ask this question on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, moments after that, you see, moments after that, Jesus says, Jesus gets to drink of whatever they have for him, and then he says, into your hands I commit my spirit. When the Father got out, he got out. In other words, he said, now obviously it was because of our sin that, that the Father, I would say, left him and forsook him, but the point that I'm trying to say is that Jesus, if the Father wasn't in it, he didn't want to do it. And so, really, that was, I would venture to say, a sign that he had completed his mission because as soon as the Father turned away, that could have been a sign that he had become sin for us. So, when the Father turned, he said, I'm out too. Mission complete. Can I tell you this? Jesus wasn't wasting time. He could have been doing a whole lot of other things and hanging on the cross for hours. But he hung up there on the cross even when people, mo- I mean, you got to say people were mocking him. They were questioning him. He kept on hanging. But when the Father got out, he said, oh, next, I'm out. Because he was dependent on the Father. I need God every day, every day of my life. Listen, and I challenge you to do something. Let's get practical. Before you ever talk to your spouse, talk to God. Give him, give him to do what tend to say, Lord, I, I, we've been having some heated, oh, sorry, holy, holy conversations lately. And I need you to anoint my lips and my mouth that when I speak, she going to finally get it. No, that ain't right. No, I, I, I need you to anoint my ears that you're giving me two of to hear her just as much as I want to say something to her. Why? Because my first commitment is to God. Can I tell you this? If your first commitment is to your family before God, it can form dysfunction. And then you'll be li- you'll be, you will be living off of the fuel of people rather than God. And you find yourself on the side of the road in life, keep running out of gas. They say, why he always running out of gas? Because he's he not getting the fuel from the right place. And I believe every day Jesus, the Bible says he would go away and he would get up on the hill. And the Bible says he would come, he would rise up early in the morning. You know why he brought it? Because the other people, they, they, they weren't they battled enough to get up there early. When he said, I can't deal with Judas before I talk to you. And so they, he would talk to the father. Now you got to understand this. I want you to understand this. He, he, he knew, I would just say, Judas was stealing money from him. But he still let him hang. Because can I tell you this? Judas wasn't filling him up. It was the father. Y'all ain't talking to me. You can even let your betrayers, your enemies hang around you when you've been filled up by God. Why? Because your first commitment is to God. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Your first commitment is to God and then to others. 
Bible says to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor. But it's when you only love him first, I believe that you can truly love others. Because there's some things that you will only do because you love him. It don't feel good. It don't smell good. It don't taste good. I don't want to be a spouse today. I don't want to be a parent today. I don't want to give today. I don't want to be humble today. But because I love you, Lord, I'll do it. Because I love you, I'll make the sacrifice. I wish Jesus, it would have been great if Jesus said, you know what, Lord, uh, can this cup pass away for me? No, but because this cup tastes so good, I'm just going to drink it. He didn't say that. He said, nevertheless, not your will, not my will, but your will be done. First commitment is to God. Make a commitment to God. Number two, here goes the second thing I believe we need to be mindful of. As we serve, say serve. Recognize your own weaknesses and tendencies. In other words, you need to monitor yourself. Tell your your neighbor, say, neighbor, know thyself. Know thyself. You you know, it would be great for me to tell you to serve, 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 and never check yourself. Because don't you know that you can run empty don't you know you can lose your mind always giving out and never taking in? And, and so this is what it says, Galatians 6, verse 1. I'll show you a scripture that will help us out. It says, Galatians 6, verse 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome. Now, this is an example, but I believe it can be a principle across the board. He's talking about when someone's overcome with sin. So just, just bear with me. He says, when another believer is overcome by some sin. How many know you can be overcome by a sin? Okay, your spouse can be overcome by sin, your child, whoever, your, your co-worker, whoever. It says, you who are godly, so, so this, is not, this is not necessarily, you know, everybody shouldn't be cooking. Y'all ain't talking to me. Can they cook? Yeah. Have y'all ever, <laughs> let me step down here. Have y'all ever been in a restaurant? How many of you go to restaurants? Hold up. I think I'm in the wrong place. Okay, I was just making sure you go to restaurants. Have you ever been in a restaurant and you go to the restaurant and you go to the restroom in the restaurant? And when you go to the restroom, you see one of the workers go in? Let me go to the side. You see, you see, you see, you see one of the workers go in, and y'all just having a good old conversation. Y'all using the restroom. You know, I, don't, I ain't trying to talk too much to nobody in the restroom, but that's enough. some people have full-blown conversation. I don't want to know who your child is. This ain't the time nor the place. We'll talk outside the restroom, especially men. Can I get an amen? You know, I'm, I'm just not, there's just too many things going on for us to have a conversation. All right, so, but anyway, I have a conversation. They're they going to have the conversation. So they're talking to them, and they they, they handling, taking care of business. Amen. And then after that, you, the next stop after you use the restroom, where do you go? You go to the sink. And you, and you keeping the conversation going because you think they're going to show up right there at the other faucet. And you hear the door open and close. You say, where'd they go? <laughs> How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And what makes it so bad is that they had chef written on the left side. Of they... Y'all know what I'm talking about? What do you do after that? <laughs> You get the manager and report them, and you say, I'm out, deuces. <laughs> they don't need to be trying to help you out with food that day. Because <laughs> they got some stuff they still need to get cleaned off their hands. 
And then some people, they so bad, they say, I, I ain't dirty. I never get dirty. The devil is a lie. I'm a clean person. I'm sure you are. So it says, anyway, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall in the same temptation yourself. In other words, when you go out to save them from drowning, don't you drown too. <laughs> he said, he said, you go out. He said, he said, what if somebody went out and they all, they both drowned? That'd just be sad. Like, why'd you even jump out there? And so, and obviously sometimes you got to, some people just so wild and violent. But I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I have the anointing to save somebody if they're drowning. Maybe my child. That's the only person I'm going after. But everybody else, I'm like, Lord, keep them. You can keep us from falling. Amen. Prepare a fish for them like you did Jonah. Amen. But, 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 but my point is, I'm still serving. I'm praying. I'm interceding for them. And it says, and, and be careful not to fall. Look at what it says. Look at this. It says, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. It says, be humble and be gentle. In one version, I think it says, don't think you're superior over that person. You know, we have, we have sometimes the audacity to give a haughty look to a person who doesn't sin like us. We cover our sins. Oh, there's a lot of grace for that. But then there's some acceptable sins. And you know how you know there's a sin that you're covering? Because when somebody starts talking about it, you get quiet. And you might even start growling. So you, so, so you talk to your family member and you tell them about their sin. And you point your finger. You roll your neck. And you, and you just, and if you do that one more time, I'm dot, dot, dot. And then they come back and start telling you about you. And you say, don't you go there. Now, it was okay when you were going there, but it's not okay when they're going there. See, if we're helping people, we have to help people with humility. Y'all with me? Because it's easier to trip up when you're in pride than it is when you're in humility. You'll find yourself drowning as well. Verse 2. To share each other's burdens. In this way, obey the what? The law of Christ. And it says, if you think you are too important to help someone or to serve someone, he says, you are only fooling yourself. He said, you are not that important. Amen. So when it comes to serving people, if we think we're too important to help somebody, realize we're not that important. I think if Jesus could step into flesh, hang on a cross, I think we can at least help somebody out with a couple of dollars every once in a while. I think we can at least help with children's ministry like they're doing downstairs. I think we can at least come and help in our local church, even on our job, help somebody out with a meal. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you are not that important. Verse 4. But then it says this right here. It says, pay careful attention to what? Your own work. It says, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself, what? To anyone else. I believe it is very important. Jesus says, he says, before you remove the speck out of your brother's eye, he said, first deal with the beam in your own eye. And I believe that as servants, we need to be aware of our weaknesses, not to be controlled by them, but to deal with them. Can I get an amen? So the next thing, number three, number three, say number three, remember to love. Come on, tell your neighbor, say neighbor, love should be the root of my service. In Galatians chapter five, verse 13, we talked about this past Tuesday night, just, you know, we talked about the motive of the heart for serving. 
And one of the things uh, that we said is that we serve to be seen. And Jesus said, don't do your good works to be seen by men. And then sometimes we serve to please ourselves. In other words, we're only helping the person to help us. Are y'all with me? And it, it can, it, you know, it, it can very much look like uh, it's, it's all about us. And this is kind of a funny, funny example of seeing that, you know, you know, sometimes <laughs> it's funny. I know I'll probably do the same thing when I become a parent, so don't, don't, don't jump on me too much. But it's amazing how little, how little toddlers, two-month-old babies, have on Jordans. They don't even know they got Jordans on. Half the time, they're not even wearing shoes. They keep kicking them off. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Yo, they get babies all, I got them, I got them all the pair of Jordans. What are you getting that little feet? Why are you giving him a pair of shoes? He don't even know what he got on. Just let him go barefoot. Then you get him polo. He got a little horse running across his chest. Then he got the matching hat. His diapers might even be the top of the line. He don't care. He about to blow them up anyway. Yeah. Got on the matching socks. Why does a baby need matching socks? Amen. But y'all know why we do it? Well, do we do it for the babies? No, you can clothe your baby with, with whatever type of other clothes. You don't have to give them J's. You don't have to give them polo. But you know why we do it? So when somebody comes, they say, boy, your baby. He's like, yeah, I know. We do it for us. Then you get them little shirts to say, I got the best dad in the world. That's for you. That's not for them. Y'all laughing at it, but that's, that's how we kind of get with people. We serve people for our pleasure. See what we can get out of them. You said, but you serve them. You serve them. But no, love should be our motivation. Love should be our motivation. Remember to love. In John chapter 13, verse 1, I've read the scripture already. The Bible says Jesus loved his disciples, and he loved them to the very end. He loved them to the very end. Number four, ask God to help you. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor, ask God to help you remove hindrances to serving. Ask God to help you. Don't try to remove them by yourself. Ask God to help you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. You know, everything that, that's a weight is not a sin. There are some things that we carry, they're just unnecessary in life. But they slow us down. It says, and especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance, what? The race God has what? In other words, if we want to be servants that continue to serve over and over, we got to get rid of what's unnecessary in our life. In Luke chapter 6, verse 41, I was um, referring to the scripture earlier. It talks about removing the beams out of our eyes. Luke chapter 6, verse 41, it says, And why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in what? Your own. It says, How can you think of saying, Friend, let me help you get rid of that speck? In your eye, when you can't see what? Pass the log in your what? It says, hypocrite, first get rid of the log in your own eye. 
And then he said, now who is talking? Jesus called somebody a hypocrite. He did. Wow, that hurts. And it says, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck. Wow, that's a word right there. Then you will see well enough. Then you will see well enough. Then you will see well enough to do what? Just to deal with the speck in your, your friend's eye. And, and so in other words, what he's saying is, in, this, in another you can't even really help somebody until you start seeing better. And a lot of times, and I, can I say this to you? I'm not a parent, but I believe there are some, some parents, maybe even in this room, the way you're seeing it is the wrong way. And if God would, if you would just allow God to clean your glasses so that you, so that you can see correctly, you'll be able to deal with it. And sometimes, let me give you an example. Sometimes we deal with the fruit and not the root. Why? Because we can't find a root in our own life. So because we can't find a root in our own life, when we deal with other people's issues, we deal with it in surface level. What if I told you that that rebellion is coming out of rejection? But if you can't see well enough to what? Deal with it, then you can't deal with it. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, let's not just get the fruit. Let's get the root. Yeah, yeah. Get the, get the, get the root. Get the root. You say, oh, oh, you just, you just, <laughs> you just always, you always say you're going to be here on time and you missing all the family functions. You always show up late. Why you got to show up late? And blah, 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 blah. Then you find out the reason why he keeps showing up late is because every time he show up, you take his manhood. And so then he starts saying, oh, 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 let me remove control off. Let me, re- let me remove Jezebel off. Let me remove manipulation off of my. And once you can see, you say, oh, my goodness. I've been controlling that man. Then all of a sudden, God begins to say, now, now you can deal with it. Then you start cooking for him. Y'all ain't talking to me. Some chicken legs and collard greens and yams. And he wake up in the morning. Early in the morning, well, he's okay. Early in the morning, you, you got some, you got some eggs cooking and some turkey bacon. Amen. Glory to God. Not regular bacon, turkey bacon. You got some orange juice, just like it came off the commercial. Orange juice off the commercial, and you got a waiter for him. And you say, "Is there anything else I can do for you?" As you start your, day? y'all ain't talking to me. And so, and so then, and then all of a sudden, he starts showing up on time. Why? Because you got remo- you removed that beam in your eye. <laughs> but it takes self-evaluation. It takes self-examination to say, Lord, what's going on in my life? Ooh, that's hard to ask sometimes. I'm going to tell you a good way to figure it out. Just get in prayer. And you'll try to pray past something. You say, nope, I want you to stop right there. You start praying for the nations. No, pray for your house. Pray for your heart. I'm praying for the nations of the world. No, pray for your heart. Be faithful over the little Another good way is just to read the Word. Amen. What we're doing today is, is poking on motives. It's poking on our heart. That's what the Word does. It shows us when we're wrong and when we're off so we can get back on the right path. Come on, give a shout of praise to Jesus for that. There are a couple hindrances that I believe we have, though. I have some here. Distractions. Distractions. Sometimes we're just distracted from serving. We see, and I'm not going to go there, we look at the Mary and Martha story where Mary, Martha is cooking the big dinner. And she gets all frustrated, amen, because Mary is sitting there at the feet of Jesus while she's cooking all the chicken legs, amen. 
Mary not seemingly doing anything, and Jesus almost in a sense defends her. He says, Mary has found something. And so we see here that sometimes the reason why we're not serving adequately is because we're just distracted. Say distracted. Okay. And then in part A, I have some other points. Here goes the other thing. I said this last week, but I reiterated pride. Say pride. pride. You can fill in the blank. B, shame. Say shame. Wow, this is a big one right here. Shame. Shame. It's hard to serve someone when you're ashamed. When you're battling with shame, because I believe shame and fear work together, you find yourself running from people. The Bible says that in Adam stay. Go with me to Genesis 3. I want to read this. I want to settle in right here. I don't want to run over this too quickly. Genesis 3, verse 7. I want to show you something. Tell your neighbor's name is shame. It says, at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they felt what? At their nakedness, so they what? Fig leaves together, covered themselves. And it says in verse, it says in verse 10, this is verse 10, that's what happens. It says, he replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I did what? I hid. I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. naked. I wonder if that person who struggles with being around other believers just knew that they're already forgiven by the blood of Jesus. I wonder if it would free them up to start serving again and then giving. Because can I tell you this? The last time I checked, there's no one perfect in this world but Jesus Christ. And there is a blood that washes clean. It will make you as white as snow. It doesn't matter what you have done. There is a blood that washes away adultery. There is, there is blood that washes away pornography. There is blood that washes away murder. There is a blood, y'all ain't talking to me, that washes away stealing. There is blood that washes away pride. There's blood. Tell your neighbor, there's a blood. There's a blood. There's a fountain of blood, and it comes from Jesus. Come on, give a shout of Jesus for the blood. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when you carry that shame, and I would even say sometimes it's a spirit, no one even has to say anything to you. But when you get around somebody that's doing right, how many ever got around somebody you know is doing right? And you just feel bad. You think their family better than yours? You think they got more money than you? Sometimes they do, sometimes they might not. Amen. But you sitting there and you feeling a certain type, you feeling shame. Look at my finances. I'm 60 years old, and I can't, I can't even look at anything in my bank account right now. I don't even, living from paycheck to paycheck, and I'm still struggling. I'm, I'm in shame because of, because of actions that I took, because of things that I've done. But there's forgiveness through the blood of Jesus. That's what's so powerful about the encounter. We had the encounter last week. And one of the things about the encounter that I would say is so critical, people say, I can see God anywhere. Yeah, you can. But you're not going to see as many people take off their mask in the encounter. Because in the encounter, the transparency is what is the highlight. When you see somebody you know is anointed and full of the power of the Holy Spirit, and they tell you what they just finished. Y'all ain't talking. They tell you what God delivered them from, what they used to do, but God brought them out, and they don't do it no more. Matter of fact, it don't even hurt no more. Y'all ain't talking to me.
It's amazing how people, they don't have any problems till you start telling your problems. Let me say that one more time. It's amazing how people don't have problems until you start telling your problems. I start talking about sweets and fruit snacks, and somebody else start talking about something else, Debbie cakes and everything. I'm like, listen, you talking about, I talk because I talked about my addiction, now you talk about your addiction. Then they get comfortable. Then they get too comfortable. I say, listen, don't fall because of me. Amen. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's what, that's what, and that's what so many people, I believe, seek so many times in the church, but it says they were ashamed, and the Bible also says that they were afraid. They were sh- ashamed, and they were afraid. That's the, that's the other thing that I want to write down as well, and I want you to be mindful of, is the fear. Say fear. That's C. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us a spirit of fear. Sometimes fear has us feeling empty and ridiculous. Well, y'all didn't get that. Sometimes fear has us feeling empty and ridiculous. It has us running because we feel empty and ridiculous. What it means? It has us feeling like we have nothing to offer. In relation to service, it has us feeling like we have nothing to offer. You say, Pastor Josh, can, can everyone, yeah, you can feel like, you can pray all day long and still feel like, you got to understand this. Let's talk about, when I started pastoring, I was, I, was, uh, I was only 10 years old. No, I'm messing. I wasn't 10 years old. When I started pastoring, I was a young man. I still am a young man. And you got to understand, I was dealing, I'm still dealing with people, but I'm dealing with people who are twice my age. Grandpa, can I tell you this? If you have a natural perspective, you can ask the question, what do I have to offer? But see, that's what fear will have you doing, holding back what God has placed inside of you. Paul told Timothy, he said, don't be ashamed. He said, don't let people despise your youth. He says, but be an example in your purity and your speech. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter how old you think you are, how young you think you are. God can still use you to help somebody move into their purpose and their plan. So years later, God has been faithful in using this young little man to help other people. Let me show you. Let me show you. Oh, you good? You good? Let me show you. In Exodus, I want to go here really quickly. Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. We got to close this down. Exodus chapter 4, verse 11. Tell your neighbors and neighbor, this year I'm getting delivered from fear. And sometimes there may be layers. You might, you might fear this, but you don't fear that. But the only healthy fear we should have is the fear of the Lord. Fear paralyzes us. And it says, then the Lord, go back to verse 10. I want to show you something. Because I believe this is a conversation that many of us have sometimes. And um, we have it back and forth with God when he tries to call us into deeper levels of service. He said, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never have been. I don't have a degree, Lord. You know what I'm talking about? I don't have charisma like them. I don't know as much scripture as them. Y'all ain't talking to me. I didn't have a father like them. I didn't have a mother like them. I didn't grow up in a neighborhood like them. Oh, y'all ain't talking to me. And and you get all caught up because you're talking about what you don't have and I'm not very good with this and very good with that. He says, he says I've, I never have been. And he says, and I'm not now. It's like, it ain't nothing to change. I'm still the same old, same old. I'm, I still struggle with anxiety when I get in crowds. And I'm not good with being around people. He says, even though you have spoken to me. He says, I get tongue-tied and my words get what? 
Verse 11. It says, then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who makes a person, with all that insecurity you got, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Now, I'm telling you, when God starts asking you questions, there's not a lot of things you can do. He says, speak or do not speak. He says, hear or do not hear, see or do not see, is it not I the Lord? Verse 12, now go, even with your insecurity, still go. Y'all ain't talking to me today. I don't have any charisma. Still go. My vocabulary is limited. Still go. I got a third grade reading level. Still. He says, I will be with you. I will be with you as you make the business deal. Look at this. I will be with you as you speak with your stuttering self. I will be with you. See, with all that stuttering, you can still do more than someone who never stutters. If you got God with your stutter. Y'all ain't talking to me. See, with a high school degree, you can do more than somebody who has a PhD. If you've got God, y'all ain't talking to me. If you got God backing you. And it says, and I will instruct you what to say. But here goes the wow part about it because I got to close. In Acts 7, verse 22, it tells us something. Acts 7, verse 22, this is what it says. It says something very interesting. Moses, 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 it depends who's talking. Because some of you might say, I'm weak in this area, but other people might say, no, you have a strength in that area. Have you ever had somebody say, you ever said, no, I can't do that. I, I'm not good. They said, no, you're awesome. And you say, are you serious? And you're going back and forth with them because you're dealing with the insecurity. But look at what the Bible says from another lens, I'll venture to say. It says, Moses was taught all the wisdom of the what? Egyptians. And he was what? And both what? <laughs> So in other words, what do you think, when do you think he was taught? While he was in Egypt. When he comes to this scenario, he's being called by God into ministry to serve. So I would say this happened before he ever even got to that moment. But somewhere down the road, Moses started to say, I can't talk. He began to be insecure for an area that, that the Bible says he was powerful in. Sometimes maybe your biggest insecurity is in the area that you're going to help the most people in. What if I told you that the biggest insecurity the devil's trying to put in your life right now is going to be the main thing that releases thousands of Jews from the control of Egypt? Listen, I, he said, let my people go. Now, obviously, if you keep reading the story, you got Aaron to do it. And so Aaron was the one who actually did a lot of the speaking for him, but I'll venture to say Moses at times still spoke. And there's something how God will still answer a prayer out of your insecurity. So he brought Aaron on the scene. He said, Aaron, you're going to speak for him. But he didn't need an Aaron. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, you don't need an Aaron. I look at Mark chapter 6. I'm closing. I'm closing. Mark chapter 6. Hallelujah. Tell, say, say, Lord, deliver me from insecurity. Mark 6, verse 37. I got to close. 
I, w- I wonder if the thing you holding back on that you won't use for the glory of God, I wonder if it's going to help so many people, deliver so many people, encourage so many people, help so many marriages, help so many families, help so many people financially, but you're holding back on it because somewhere down the road you feel like it's not good enough. But Jesus said, you feed them. And they said, with what? They asked, we have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all of these people. This is the story, a familiar story about how Jesus fed the thousands. And Jesus tells his disciples, he says, you feed them. And they said, with what? And some of you are asking that question maybe today. Lord, what do I have to offer? You have a lot to offer because you're in connection with the King of kings and the Lord and lords. And because you're connected with the awesome one, the awesome, the, the, all, the omnipotent one, the all-powerful one, when you step up on your job, you come with his power. You come with his name. You might be a little teenage boy, but when you step out to Goliath, he will fall because you've got God backing you. Come on, give a shout of praise to God. Hallelujah. I got to go. So we got to get over this stuff. The other reason, the other reason I believe the other hindrance is we're just ignorant of our giftings. First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 says, I don't want you to be ignorant of them. And then we'll go to 5, 6, and 7 and we'll close. Number five, I, I believe the other thing that we need to be mindful of as we set out in our minds to serve, we need to we need to come into an understanding. We need to come into an understanding of our God-given authority. Say say God-given authority. When you have authority, John thirteen verse one, you don't have to showboat it. When you got power, you don't have to showboat it. Why do parents scream so loud at their kids sometimes? Sometimes it's because they're angry. Sometimes because they need it. But sometimes they're trying to prove, I'm the parent. And after you slap them into tomorrow, you realize you didn't need to. Oh, let me go to this side. Because the reason why you, you felt that way, because they're they 13 and they're starting to feel themselves. They got a lot of people that like them now. Say, ooh, you my babe. And they got all this come, and they coming home, and you talk to them, and they talk to you, and they be like, I ain't gotta listen to you. And you like, wait a wait a minute, wait a minute. Ain't this the person I used to change their diapers? That needed me to carry them around everywhere, and they rising up in my face, and they about bigger than me now. So you know what you do? You better get out of my face. Why do spouses scream so loud at each other? I'm the man in this house. And then the woman said, don't scream at me like I'm a little child. I'm an adult. You know, you got to prove yourself. Luke 4 talks about how the devil said, if you be the son of God, then do something. Turn the stone into a loaf of bread. The devil tried to get you to do something out of the will of God just to prove yourself. Something that's already been proven. Y'all ain't talking to me. Jesus had just come out of the baptism waters, and God had already said, you're my son. There's no need to prove what God already said about me. Hallelujah. Say, I have authority. I have power. It's amazing because even in that situation, Judas was being prompted by the devil. But even the devil, Jesus had a power over him. The only power that the devil had over him was the power God allowed him to have temporarily so that, so that Jesus can defeat him. Y'all ain't talking to me. Jesus said, I, he said he knew he had all authority from God. Number six, it says he recognized that he was from God. That speaks of identity. He knew he was from God. John chapter 13. He knew he was from God. 
Who are you from? I'm not talking about your ancestors. I'm not talking about if you were from Nigeria or Togo or the Bahamaman. I'm not talking about that. Who are you from? Who is your origin? I believe true identity is only found in Christ Jesus. The Bible says, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And who? Christ Jesus. Recognizing your identity in Christ, your identity, you have identity. And then lastly, recognizing your future. Recognizing your future. The Bible says, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the suffering. When you know you got a good future, a good future ahead of you, you can let go of your presence. Sometimes it's, it's so hard to let go of your presence because you don't believe your future is going to be any better. But I declare as we begin to serve in the present that God will begin to make ways in our future. You ain't talking to me. In Psalms 27, verse 13, I'll close with this KJV as we're closing. KJV, Psalms 27, verse 13. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I know who I am. I have authority. I know who I'm from. I know where I'm going. See, Jesus said he knew he was going to the Father. He said, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm headed. I have vision. He said, I know where I'm going. And, and also, and, and, and let me just stop with that recap. I'm going to recap. He says, I have fainted unless I had what? I might not see it now, but I believe I'm going to see something. It says, the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Do you see any good in your future? Because that's going to help you now in serving. You might be serving in the pit, but can you see the palace? What do you see in the future? I believe Jesus saw thousands and millions of people that would come in to know the Father because of his sacrifice. What do you see in the future that's going to help you make it through your pain? What's your painkiller? Amen. It's going to hurt, but, but what are you using to help alleviate that pain? You've got to be connected to vision where God is taking you. This ministry is going somewhere. We're going to help people to be delivered and set free. So as we serve, don't ever think it's a waste because there are lives that are going to be changed because you chose to serve. So in closing, in closing, standing up on our feet, tell your neighbor, say, we're about to go, we're about to go. Number one, we got to make a commitment to God. Recognize our weaknesses. Remember to love. Number three. Number four, ask God to help you remove hindrances. We got to deal with the areas of pride, shame, distraction, fear, ignorance of our gifts. That's why it's good to come to Connect Day to learn about your gifts. Number five, we've got to also recognize our God-given authority, recognize our identity in Christ, and recognize the future that God has for us. Jesus knew he was going back to the Father, even in the midst of the Satan prompting the devil, even when the devil was up to work, even when the devil was up to work in Judas' life, tempting him, prompting him, Jesus still knew he had authority. There are some situations right now that some of you all are facing, and it's hard and it's tough, but can I tell you this? You still have authority in Christ. You still have power in Christ. You still have the victory in Christ. You still have favor in Christ because favor doesn't stop the enemy, but it stops the triumph of the enemy. Hallelujah. And today we come, we come together. We come together for this moment to say, go on and serve because the greatest amongst you are servants. Your greatness is tied to your service. So Lord, we thank you. Head bows, eye closed. Listen up, if you're in here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Josh, I don't, I don't serve the Lord anymore. I no longer serve him. For whatever reason, I have, I have left him. I become distracted. I no longer follow him. Things in life have, have sabotaged me and, and, and they've got me off course. But I want to get back on course. I want to get back on course. 
I want to get back on course. I, I've been walking in shame. I've been running from the call of God. I've been walking in fear. I've been running from the call of God because of some stuff that I've done in my past. But I'm here today to tell you that there is forgiveness in Jesus. So as we have our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're in here today, you might even need to rededicate. Come back to the Lord. This is your moment. This is your opportunity. When I count to three, slip your hand up, and I will further direct you, and I will pray with you. Hallelujah. One, if that's you, get ready. You say, I need prayer. I want you to pray with me. Pray for me, Pastor Josh. Two, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. When I say three, slip your hand up. Three, slip your hand up right now. If that's you, you say, I need prayer. I need you to pray with me. Pray for me. Hallelujah. You say, Pastor Josh, I believe I am saved, but I believe I need to connect to a ministry where I can share my gifts and my talents. God has given me some things to serve the body of Christ with. And if that's you, I want you to slip your hand up right now, too, if that's you. Is there anybody? Just raise your hand up high. I'm looking around. If there's anybody here that says, pray with me, pray for me, pray with me, pray for me, pray with me, pray for me. This is your moment. This is your hour. Now, Lord, we just thank you right now for this moment, this opportunity to worship you, to serve you. Lord, I pray even now that we are we are putting our hands to the plow like never before in triad, and that we're remembering that nothing we do for you is ever a waste. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody say amen. Come on, give a shout of praise to the Lord. Thank you for tuning in to this week's show. Were you empowered to become a team player? Let us know. Connect with us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Triad Christian. Facebook, Triad Christian Center. And you can also visit our website, triadchristiancenter.org. We look forward to hearing from you and invite you back next week to The Movement Podcast.